Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. Hey guys, this week on the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, we sit down with Travis Links and Frank Sullivan as they tell us a story behind the 227-inch monster that was taken out of St. Francisville in early October 2017. We also go in-depth on what it takes to have the patience and the strategy to consistently kill mature deer and some of the restraint that it takes to make that happen year after year. So I hope you enjoy this episode. But before we get started, we need to say a big thank you to our two sponsors. First up is Steve German's Taxidermy Art in Westlake, Louisiana, one of the absolute best taxidermists in the state, and the only one that's made it easier for you to transport your deer back into Louisiana by having a separate drop-off point in Orange, Texas for you to drop off your deer so you don't have to cape it out. And secondly is Cousin's Smokehouse. Big Louisiana company growing by the day. They're in over 400 shops so far. And in every grocery store, archery shop, and gas station that I can remember stopping in in the last three to six months, they're the home of the original pork jerky, some of the most flavorful and delicious and tender jerky you've ever had. So definitely something you want to be carrying in your hunting bag this season. So a huge shout out to them. And with that being said, let's get on to this week's episode. All right, guys, we're here with Frank Sullivan and Travis Links at Sullivan Dental Center. We're here in uh, St. Francisville, Louisiana. And if that place or that city or that name sounds familiar, uh, you might have uh, connected it to one of the, not not one of the biggest, the 
one of the yeah one of the biggest deer killed in the state last year, right? Uh, it was number two. Amanda Smith killed a two sixty seven. Yeah, is that right? Cool. Yeah, uh, in a bull's parish. Yeah, but uh, she did that with a rifle, so you know we're not going to count that, we're, right? We're going to talk about this. <laughs> we're going to talk about yours. Yeah, um, I have met Amanda. I have seen that deer, and I mean it's it it just blows your mind. It, and the same thing as well with yours, which is right behind me. We're we're here in your your dental office, which is real close to your house. Um, and, um, you know, walking up, I couldn't help but notice all the feeders, the binoculars sitting on the, the windowsill right there. Um, you know, do, do you just get deer all day long that come up and I bet your customers love this. We're hunting all day long. I don't know if we get deer all day long, but, uh, <laughs> we have everything we need to, to see them and if, if they show up. So. Gotcha. And, and if you wouldn't have been late today, you'd have saw the two bucks out at the feeder before you got here. I have never <laughs> been on time in my life. Ever. It has never happened. In fact, if I am on time, that's a reason to worry, actually. Um, and we want to, want to talk a little bit today about, obviously, your deer that you killed last year. Um, and Travis, uh, you were you were aware of this deer long before he killed it because y'all are close friends. Um, and y'all were together the day that you killed it. Um, well, weren't he he called me when he shot it and then i came help him right. find it that's right so you were help you helped him find it and, dry, and you didn't have to go far to find it did you we didn't no but i, I called travis the night i, I discovered the deer yeah. and uh, i know he had gone through uh kind of a whirlwind the year before with his deer mm-hmm. and uh yeah i knew he knew all the steps as far as with uh if it's a record deer you know what mm-hmm. you what you need to do and what you don't need to do so i said hey look i got this deer at, it might be pretty good, you know. Uh, I said, I'm going sh- to text you a picture. Don't show it to anybody. Yeah. About two seconds later, I, he, he calls me back. He goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, we, we, we all do that, especially this time of year once our – once a deer start growing something on the top of their head, and you can get some glimpse of what they might become, um, but when man, when you when you get a picture like like that. I mean, I, I can only imagine what your response was, you know, because we're all happy that our friends have big deer. But this was to call this a big deer would be an un- understatement. Absolutely. W- what did he end up scoring, Frank? Uh, Buckmaster scored him at 227 and 6'8". Wow. And, ha- and a drop tine or two drop, drop tines? Three. Th- oh, excuse me. Three drop tines. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's incredible. He's behind me, so I'm not, not looking at him right now. But um, By the way, I scored him the night he shot him, and I think I was an eighth off. Yeah. Nice. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's not bad at all, man. So, Travis, you live here in St. Francisville also, and and I'm I'm well aware of the deer that you killed. Uh, when I say last, it's kind of hard to talk about this time of year. When I say last year, I meant you know maybe the season before. Um, so, your deer was really unique also because it was it had two main beams on each side. Is that right? It, it had a double main beam on the right hand side, but it had two eye guards, thirteen inches uh-huh. a piece, that came kind of out of, straight out of the front of his head. Yeah, that, and it, which made it kind of difficult to score. Right. Um, yeah, what you, it, you remember at the sportsman show they kept going back and forth if they were going to score him typical, non-typical. So it was a, it was kind of a fiasco when they scored well, it. Well, what's, so what's funny about that moment? I don't think you'll remember it quite the way that I do. Was that was the first time I had met you? Was right after they scored your deer, and right after they scored it like thirty or forty inches less than what you were <laughs> right. expecting. So you weren't in a very personable mood at that exact moment in time. You yeah, know? so that's when they had scored it typical and told us that they had like <laughs> sixty-five inches of deductions. Yeah, it, it so it was it was it's over two hundred, isn't it? No, it's one ninety-six and seven eighths. Okay, one ninety-six, and what was the what was the net? One seventy, one seventy-one, yeah. and uh, 
a quarter. Which, no, an eighth. You know, let's clarify something. Both of those numbers and both of those deer are obviously something to be proud of. But when when you're going in, it's like going into a test you've been studying for all year long, and you're expecting to get an A plus, and they come back with a B minus. Yeah. You know, and you're like, what is wrong with the teacher? How do they screw this up? But that but that was such a unique deer that it it was hard to to give it a I don't want to say an accurate accurate measurement but going by well actually even when I got the official score back from the sportsman show um it was wrong so when I got back I sent the papers off to Pope and Young and they sent me back saying that they couldn't give it to me official because they had nine measurements on the right hand side but they only had seven measurements listed so they uh-huh. they said they had nine points but they only had seven points measured so that that kind of messed up the score a little bit as well so had to have them the wildlife and fisheries come back to my office, officially score it again, and then send off all the paperwork to Pope gotcha. and Young. So, Frank, I'm, I'm interested, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are interested in hearing uh, the story about your history with his buck and then also the story of, of, of how you killed it and, and that how that whole thing went down. So share that with us. Well, uh, didn't know it until after I started studying the deer, after I had recognized it uh, this past year, three months before, uh, winded up getting to take the deer. Uh, I just thought this was a different deer that I didn't know existed showed up. Winded up, this was a 10-point that I'd watched the year before that was about 135, maybe 140-inch deer. And, uh, you know, nearly this deer over the period of one year nearly put 100 inches of horns on his on his head, extra horns. So that's crazy within itself. Uh, you, you don't ever really hear of a deer doing that. And uh, the deer did... did uh, have some trauma the year before he was actually shot by uh, on a, a neighbor uh, that was actually hunting the deer again knew that knew that knew what the deer looked like had mm-hmm. he had multiple pictures too but he shot in the second day of bow season which would have been 2016 when he was a 10 point and uh, hit him in the right front shoulder so when I'm watching all the video of him the next year okay he's got his shoulder would swell up sometimes and i would see this big knot on his shoulder and i'd be like what is that and then it would go away and when i killed him it did, did he, he didn't even have it so uh i found out later after the, after that 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 was the first injury okay well i knew also that the deer got hit uh in december after he got shot in october and then in december he got hit by a car uh, right here after i had watched him out here behind the office that evening uh, didn't kill the deer, of course, but, uh, you know, I don't know if from that trauma and talking to, to, uh, biologist and, and, uh, good deer hunters, you know, the, the, does, does, does that have an effect on the horns? And it very well could have, cause he didn't break any bones in his injuries. Well, it's funny. It's, it's almost like he went the, the other direction with it. It's almost like he turned into a mutant, you know, with, with how much mass he put on in one year, you know? Right. Well, he, he definitely did. So, so anyway, Three months before October 1st, I'm actually talking to one of my patients, and the patient says, and we're looking out the back of the office. Uh, the room we were in faced uh, actually where I, where I killed the deer, but he told me, he said, Frank, I just saw uh, some coyotes out there. And when I turned to look, all of a sudden this deer comes running out of the woods, runs down a hill, and then runs kind of back up a hill to the office and stops behind a tree. And uh, I was in disbelief that I had just kind of seen what I saw, but I couldn't see his horn. So my phone happened to be in my pocket. I pulled it out and I started recording him. And that's when he uh, he turned and he ran back toward the woods. And when he did, 
I was able to take my video and capture a picture of it. And that's the picture I sent to you that night, yeah. Travis. And uh, Oh, it wasn't even a trail cam photo. No, this no. was straight off of a cell phone. Uh-huh, I, no. I didn't put trail cams out until that afternoon. So. <laughs> I, bet, I, I would have left the patient like, <laughs> and I'd gone straight home and get my, my cameras out. So uh, I put uh, two cameras out that afternoon, and, and that night I got video of him. So he came back. And um, that's when it was on. I mean, that's when I totally dedicated my life to to that deer. Yeah. Every day there was something focused toward uh, toward having a chance to bag him. So uh, for three months I studied that deer with cameras. Uh, I watched him you know, on occasion walk, you know, walk out in broad daylight, which was kind of odd. Uh, he ran with four other bucks. Uh, I don't know what happened to those bucks. I really hadn't seen them seen him since but there was one good deer another good deer with him and it was an eight point and uh, he was an older deer the thing about the deer that i took the the, my deer was that i knew he was he was only four because i knew what he was when he was when when he was three so i knew i was dealing with a young deer and i knew that it was only going to take one mistake to make that four-year-old deer a five-year-old deer yeah and uh yeah we, we actually had that conversation about he called me one evening and we talked about i i really think you're going to be able to kill him because he is a four and a half year old i think he's going to make a mistake i don't think he's going to be that savvy older deer that's going to be able to just kind of outthink you at every move i think he's going to make a mistake and i think you're going to be able to get him oh you mean all the deer that i hunt that outthink me <laughs> gotcha okay right right yeah so um you know from that point being being said i started making a list of of things that i was going to do to kill this deer but at the same time i was making that list i started making a list of things i couldn't do and I even told my wife, I said, look, what's going to get this deer is, is, is not the things that I do, it's the things I don't do. And when you start thinking about things that you're, you're not going to do, the, the biggest thing is pressure. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to put pressure on that deer. You're going to let him get into a summer routine, and uh, you're, gonna, you're not going to invade that summer routine, and you're going to try to get him as early as you can in the season. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest time to get him. Everybody thinks the rut's the easiest time to get him. The rut's a hard time to hunt a big deer you know yeah. that's the best time you own your property if you have a small lease that's the best time you you might have a visitor from from somebody else's property show up mm-hmm. you know so guys who kill who kill big bucks in the rut with their bows my hat's off to them because mm-hmm. that's uh i kill big bucks early yeah <laughs> yeah I, I agree yeah when you get when when they're in that summer pattern uh in in down here because, I mean, I live in Baton Rouge, just isn't far away, so we're, we have similar, obviously similar seasons and weather and all that. But um, first two weeks of the season, if you don't push them out or break them up, then, yeah, you can, you can pattern them big time. So everything I did for three months, I was really focused on that deer. And I learned a lot about that deer, and, and I've said this before. I, I used my, my trail cameras for the first time I was using my video mode. And I never really had used that. And the great thing about that video mode is you get to you get to see so much of what's going on, where the deer comes from, sometimes where the deer le- leave, how they leave, uh, how they interact with the other bucks and and that they're walking with. And uh, I learned that one I called Tattletail, the eight point that he was with. I noticed that that deer was always looking around. He 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 didn't eat a lot. He was always had his head up. He was always he was like an old doe, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's who I knew I was going to kind of have to hunt, just to make sure he didn't rat me out and tell on me, you know. Yeah. So uh, 
So first thing I did is I, I you know, I, I knew I had two neighbors on both sides of me that were hunting this deer, and I wanted to find, you know, I cheat a little bit. I'll put out some feed for my deer. I'll, I'll entice them to get them in there for sure. And I do that to keep them there more than to, to, to take them. Mm-hmm. I don't hunt. I don't hunt feeders. I don't set up over a feeder or anything like that. But I'll spread some stuff on the ground just to, just to get them in my area for sure. Um, so I wanted to feed him something that was unique and I started looking for other feeds and, uh, you know, throw a little, uh, little kickback at, uh, to Nate's bug bait, but I stumbled on that, uh, at our, uh, feed store here in San Francisville and it was persimmon flavored, uh, uh, feed. And I put, I put a bunch of stuff out one day, one time, and I went back and checked it in a week. And that, that particular feed was what they liked nice. just in my area. I'm just saying that in my area. Yeah. Okay. And he ate that like it was like it was candy, okay. And that's what I killed him over. That's what he was eating when I when I killed him. Nice. And um, it was just uh, that was one of the things that I did. But for for three months, I lived and and breathed taking that deer. Yeah. I dreamed about him at night. I didn't sleep at night because of it. And uh, I was really just afraid I was going to make a mistake, educate him, and never see him again. Yeah. So well, the cool thing about Nate's Buckbait is that it's it's local. It's a Louisiana company. I think they're from. I could be getting this wrong. I think they're from the Slaughter, Ethel, Clinton, St. Francisville area. Um, I'm not sure exactly where, but I've told this to a lot of people. That's something that we're trying to get a whole lot more involved with this year. Uh, is supporting local businesses, local companies, and and you know, that's been said so much that I almost feel a little cliche by saying that. But the only way to really back that up is to prove it and say, hey, you know, if if you want. If you want to f- make food pots, uh, don't buy throw and grow. Go to Buckbusters. If you want a deer stand, don't necessarily you know go for the cheapest one. Why don't you call the guys down in Terrebonne Parish and, and Homa area? Um, you know, Old Cypress Outdoors. They've got lock ons now. You know, um, and then of course archery shops and your feed shops and that that stuff too. But I'm mainly talking manufacturers. Is um, you know, it's the analogy I came up with is it's like Gulf shrimp. It, we're from Louisiana. You, my wife will not let me buy anything but Gulf shrimp, and I say that as if I would buy anything other than Gulf shrimp. But, but that's a big campaign now. Is you know that it's Louisiana proud, support your local people. So why don't we apply this stuff to the hunting industry also? Why do we go to, you know, Michigan companies for game cameras or climbing sticks? So why do we go to companies in Pennsylvania for, um, for whatever else we want when? we can get some of it local and your feed it sounds like you hit it out of the park it was a good a good match for you because it's local number two it's available number three your deer like it you know they really did i don't necessarily remember off the top of my head the day that you killed that deer but was that your first attempt to hunting or had you sat a couple times before that well, that was a Thursday, and hunting season had opened. Uh, October the 1st was a Sunday evening, mm-hmm. and I hunted Sunday. I, I One of the things I said I was going to do is I wasn't going to go in there two days in a row. Mm-hmm. I would only I would hunt, let him rest, hunt. So I hunted Sunday and had an incredible hunt. I saw every deer that I have. We're just talking about 22 acres, okay? Mm-hmm. So we don't I – mean, I'm not holding a lot of deer. I was just holding some good deer, and – I saw every buck. I saw every doe. They all came out, of course, except the man. Yeah. Right? So it got dark, and uh, I still had deer underneath me, and I could see them. The moon was was was. It was. We nearly had a, a full moon. It was very close. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, 
So it was, I could see deer. I stayed in my stand until 9 o'clock. <laughs> and at 9 o'clock, I just I had to get out, okay? I had to be at work next morning, too. So I, I left everything up in my stand. I didn't take my bow. I didn't take anything out. I left it all in there, and I just started easing down. And I got about halfway down out of my tree, and everything took off. The woods came alive. I mean, everything ran out. So I eased on down and got out of there. And uh, every morning when I would get to work, I had two cameras right there that I would always go pull the cards at 9 o'clock. I'd see my first patient and then ease on down there at 9 o'clock, grab my card. It was a good time. It mm-hmm. didn't disturb anything. And I'd go check my uh, – check what was on my cards well next morning i get to work monday morning i go down there i grab my cards i come back to my computer i sit down i mean it just got dark and he walked out and he was right underneath my stand he was so close to me i didn't know And what day is this that's this is that's when i hunted him on sunday that was the hunt right after it got dark when i stayed in the stand till nine o'clock yeah okay so he was there he was there he was there the whole time never knew it it's like being okay. it's like like being in the same room with a celebrity or something, oh, you know, not uh, knowing it. Better. Yeah. Better. It'd have to be a dang good celebrity <laughs> for me to compare it Jennifer to. Aniston, <laughs> yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom maybe, Cruise. <laughs> yeah. Well, forget Tom. Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer yes. Aniston. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But anyway, so uh, the good thing was is he came back a couple hours later. Yeah. And I had him on video again. So I knew he was, he was cool. He was cool. So didn't hunt Monday, hunted, hunted Tuesday, didn't have a real good hunt Tuesday, didn't see much, they didn't walk, walk real good, so uh, actually got out of my stand like with 10 minutes left of, of daylight, you know, barely I could see, but it wasn't much, I didn't have anything under me, so I, I didn't want to sit and stand till 9 o'clock again that yeah. night, so I eased out. Uh, at that point, I said, you know what, it's, it's, it's hot and the moon's full, I'm going to take a week off. I'm not going to hunt for a week. I'm just going to let them rest. I've been in here two times. And uh, so didn't hunt Wednesday. Thursday, I get to get to work, get down there at 9 o'clock, and I check my cameras, and he had he had stayed at, at 6, no, at 627, he was still there. And it wasn't daylight yet, okay? But he left. Well, that doesn't give him enough time to get across the road where he would bed down during the day, mm-hmm. okay? So I knew he had to stay on that 22 acres. I knew mm-hmm. he was bedded close. So <clears throat> I hadn't seen him in daylight hours in, in probably three weeks. He hadn't showed up on, you know, right before dark. That's usually when he would show up. So, uh, of course, I go to my treatment coordinator that morning. I said, look, I'm hunting this evening. My whole my whole team knew about this deer. I mean, that's all we talked about was this deer. You know, they were ready for me to take care of him, you know, yeah. and uh, so we could get back on with our life. But uh, I told her, I said, "Look, I'm 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 out of here at three o'clock. I'm getting on that stand by by three forty-five. I think, you know, I got a chance. He's 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 in the area. So sure enough, I get down there at, at three forty-five. I go shower, get my clothes, get go in there. Uh, and I know we'll try to talk about scent control, but I, one thing I, I think is great advice is uh, for those of us who have hair, like I see y'all, both of y'all have beards and, and full head of hair. Yeah. I would always take the feed. I always take the feed that I use, like the Nate, Nate's buck bait, and I'd rub it all in my hair and all over my yeah. body. So I took a really? little, I took a, that's quite a plug. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, scent control Absolutely. is, yeah, is yeah. huge. Okay. So why not smell like your feed? 
You know, yeah, he yeah. was used for three months. He'd been eating this stuff. So I, I didn't have any feed out at that time, but I had, a, I had about a five pound bag that I put out and then I just poured it all over me and got up in the stuff. That's awesome. I've never heard that before, but it makes sense. Yeah. It's, that's gotta be the best cover scent there is. Yeah. Well, your hair and your breath, your, your, yeah. your, you know, that's two, two things that really can create a, a human funk in the, in the woods, Yeah, you know, so I don't eat it and put it in my mouth, but I do have a, a I still wear a mask. I'm not like a lot of people who paint their face. I wear a scent control mask. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyway, I get up in the stand and, and uh, wasn't, didn't start off to be a great hunt. Had some coyotes come by, uh, ran off a doe, actually. First time I'd ever seen a coyote run a deer off, kind of chased the deer nearly. Uh, but it was getting, it, time went by and I had some, some younger deer that I, that I knew of, that, uh, about three of them off to my right, and they were, they were on the side of a hill. Some acorns had just started dropping on an acorn, tr- acorn tree, and so they were uh, eating the acorns, and I was kind of watching them over my right shoulder. Had a little uh, young buck that, like a four or five point, that was out in the in the field eating a little bit of my feed. And I'm watching these deer off to my right, and I kind of come back to neutral. I was swinging my head around from right to left, and I come back to neutral. All of a sudden, this is my first time I ever get to see him, and he steps out, Okay. <laughs> Well, I told you at 627, I had him on video, mm-hmm. and I had never seen him without his velvet on his horns. He had all of his velvet on his horns um, at 627. And the when day that, before? No, that, no, morning. that morning. Uh, uh, that, that same oh, morning. that morning. That morning. Yeah. That's six, six. And when he had velvet on his horns, he just looked, he looked beautiful. Yeah. You know, he looks sweet. Like magnificent. Oh, yeah. like Jennifer Aniston. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You, you just kind of wanted to pet him, mm-hmm. right? Well, he looked gnarly. I mean, he looked, he had blood on his horns. He had stuff hanging, all of it velvet hanging. You know, it kind of caught me off guard. But, I mean, honestly, I, I've, uh, I've never gotten buck fever, but I, I started shaking. My heart started beating. Uh, you know, I was kind of trying to get a hold of myself, and uh, I, I had my bow laying on my lap. I wasn't even really in position ready, ready for him. And so he starts walking right to left. He was actually at, at 24 yards, and then he started closing the distance, kind of coming in at a 45-degree angle. And I had a limb that, that hung down in front of me, so as soon as he got to that limb, I was able to get my bow up. But I'm having to watch these deer to my back that are eating the acorns. That's the ones I'm, yeah. I don't want to scare them. So I'm trying to you know, watch everything and, and see what's going on. Well, I, I get my bow up, and, and he's – and he puts his head down and he starts eating well he's at he's at 17 yards right there and he turned and quartered away from me and went to 19 well i was able to i I pulled back on him i was all the way pulled back on him and i was kind of having a hard time uh keeping steady i really was i'm not look it's okay i got him i got him so i can tell you this if i would have missed him and we were having this conversation i wouldn't even talk talk, man you know steady as a rock steady as a rock (laughs) yeah i don't know what happened yeah so um i'm taking my time and what happened was is something scared him and now when i look back on it i know what scared him um because nothing scared the other deer he's down there eating and he had some velvet that hung all the way down on the left side well it got around his eye and it was moving and it scared you know it it caught him off guard the velvet did so he bolts 
across and goes back into the woods where it came from. You're at full draw. I'm at full draw. Yeah. So I'm I'm watching him, and my head turns to the right as I'm watching him leave, and now I'm trying to watch everybody else around me. Everybody's at full alert. Everybody went from yeah. being real nice, you know, because I got four other deer around me. I got that little buck out in the field to my left and the three back on the hill to my right. So, I mean – and I can just see his feet in the woods. I can see his hooves and, and his front legs. I can't even see his head, but I'm looking through some privet hedge looking at him. So now I'm kind of looking at everybody. Everybody's at full alert. Well, they're staring at him. They're trying to figure out, why'd you run? What's up? You know, yeah. We didn't see anything. So I, I was able to come down out of, out of my draw, and now I'm sitting there, and I'm just looking and watching him. Well, all of a sudden, old Tattletail comes up out of the – and the reason I can't hear these deer going and coming is because it's a sandy bottom. I'm hunting a creek, and yeah. and uh, they, they're moving in there on me without me hearing them. That's how he slipped in on me. Well, coming up out of the, the creek bed, it's about an eight-foot wall. He walks up over the wall was, was Tattletail. And he walks out and kind of comes out into the woods and comes out into the field. And when he did, my deer got real relaxed and just turned around and came on back. And at this point, I, I wasn't nervous at all. I mean, I, my heart wasn't beating real hard, and mm-hmm. he was standing right where I saw him the first time at 24, uh, 24 yards. He was just standing there, and I pulled back, and, and by the grace of God, uh, made a double long shot that, that was, you know, it was it was best moment of my life. <laughs> it, it, it was also a perfect shot. That's Literally, awesome. we found a steer. It was hit perfect. Now, did you, did you know it was a perfect shot, or <clears throat> did you have any question about it, or what? Um. Uh, Man, Tyler, you just know. When you make the perfect shot. He you, knew. The text you, message you, said he knew. You, I knew. I knew. Yeah. I didn't want to. I, I, and then I, I thought I heard him fall, you know. but Well, I mean, it's a very distinct sound. It's, I, I explained it. It's three distinct sounds. There's the impact. You hear the entrance. So you hear like this. It, it sounds like you're hitting an empty Coke can that's wrapped in a blanket. It's kind of what it sounds like when you hit a double lung. It's, it's this bit of a deep a pop a little bit. It's a little hollow. So you have the entrance, and then you have the exit pop, right? And then you have the ground. So it's like, like all in a row. It doesn't sound like that, but that's how quick the, the, you know, the, the sounds are strung together. So I know what you mean. When you hit them right, you know you hit them right, you know. Um, so how long did you let it lie before you went and looked? Well, I, uh, I let him run off, and and uh, so he he runs off, and you know how it goes. We all have cell phones, so oh, yeah. I mean it was on then, you know. <laughs> oh, like, and, 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 I mean, it, yeah, because you t- you t- message one person, and then and then you do another one, and then all of a sudden everybody wants answers immediately. Okay, hey, where is he? How big is he? Give me a picture. Send me. And I'm like, look, I shot him eight seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't – you know as much as I do at this point in time, you know. Well, um, I, we pro- I probably didn't go look for him for probably an hour and a half. Is yeah. that about right? So when I got the text message, I was actually fishing with my wife and kids on the bank in False River and literally got the text message and just took off running. And my wife was just like, where are you going? I was like, Frank got him. I got to go. <laughs> So what were you doing fishing on the fourth day of bow season? I was we were, <laughs> we were living over there at the time because the floors were getting changed oh, in my yeah, house. Oh yeah, your house was being renovated. That's yeah, right. so I had just got home from work. It was a Thursday, remember? So yeah, we're, we're fishing, and literally I got the text message and just jumped up and started running to my truck like I'm wow. gone. Grabbed my boots and took off. That's awesome. And so, so you get over here. Who who was the first person you texted or called, Frank? I had a group. It was a group text. Well, I texted my wife. 
because that's, look, the, that's she, the right answer. <laughs> she had been li- she had been living with me, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, she was she was kind of my psychiatrist through the whole thing because I would sit and sit in bed and I said, "Well, my dear, today," and she told me she goes, <laughs> "Wait a second, that is not your deer. Yeah, that is not your deer unless you kill that deer. So if somebody else kills that deer, I don't want to hear they killed your deer. You oh know? man, so, yeah." So uh, she's a pretty strong woman, and she was kind of keeping me straight. So I needed to let her know, you know. She was working out with uh, one of her friends. So her and Gracie and Travis and myself and another buddy of mine, David Ray, and my daughter, we were, we went and uh, we went and retrieved the deer. An army, yeah, yeah. I got it was special. I got to tell you, that was that, that was, was pretty awesome. cool. It was an easy retrieve, number one, you know. So uh, it, it's funny after this happened, the internet explodes. Right. I mean, you know, Travis and, and you were gracious enough to let us run the story and we kind of, you know, got the information out there. And then, it, I mean, I don't think I think it killed my phone battery so fast. I can only imagine y'all being the ones that found but just the alerts from Facebook and social media and everything. Um, when that happened, I remember a lot of people over the next few weeks a lot of people came out of the woodwork. Oh, I had that deer on camera. That was behind my grandma's house. I've been hunting that deer for two years and blah, 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 blah. And then on the other side, this is my favorite, and I, and I hope you can laugh at this as much as I do when I see it. That's a high fence deer. You know, oh, yeah. that's a $10,000 deer, you know, from, from some high fence area and whatever parish and blah, blah, blah. And so you have these polar opposites. You have people that, that claim they've seen it the way you see UFOs in the sky. And then on the other hand, you've got people that there's there's like I've I've seen I'm not going to get into it, but I've seen I'm sure just like you people come after you, your personal character when you kill something that is big enough to create jealousy. It's it's really a shame. It really is. I thought it was the coolest part. Yeah, I, all the stories. You know, that's right. I, I loved it. I, I I wish there would have been more. Yeah. Well, know, here we are. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> it uh, it really is funny. You know, when when I shot my deer a couple of years ago, people were said that I had I was hunting on the neighbor's property mm-hmm. and I had shot their deer. You they shot came, it at night. Yeah, yeah. They, I shot it at night. All all kinds of stuff. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Even when you have just like we had for Frank's deer, I had an army of people go find my deer. Well. Uh, Todd Masson, does that name yeah. sound familiar? Todd yeah. Masson with NOLA.com. Um, he's helped me out with some stuff. I'm getting started with you know this the podcast and news articles. He's kind of he's helped me out more than I think he knows he's helped me out. But anyway, he called me to do a story on my big deer that I killed uh, kind of close to here two years ago, and um, the way he he described he asked me if he goes has anybody been real negative about your deer? And my deer was. 139 and 5 eighths. I'll, I'll, I won't say it was 140 because it wasn't 140. It was 139 and 5 eighths. And um, he goes, have you had anybody being real negative to you about your deer? I said, eh, not too much. There's been some people that are upset about, you know, the typical don't say where it was killed and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, if you have people that are being ugly to you, he goes, this is what's happening. You've accomplished something that they themselves do not believe they could accomplish on their own. And so the jealousy aspect comes from not disbelief on you and not a like defamation of your character and the way you did it. It comes from the mindset of, well, I couldn't do that. Therefore, he probably didn't do it either. And, and there's always that little asterisk. I couldn't do that. 
legally, so he couldn't do it legally. So he must have shot it at night with a crossbow, or he must have shot it with a rifle and passed it off as a as a bow kill, or whatever he did that you can falsify. And actually, Amanda Smith got way more of this than you did. Um, but uh, it's kind of sad to see people go to that level. And and um, I remember Rated Red did was it a video or an article i don't remember they did a video it was a video video. the comments of that they were hysterical to have people all over the country that all they know about you is that you're a dentist and you killed a big deer and so you become like almost like cecil the lion part two almost in a sense where you like villain number one we hate this guy because he killed a big deer you know why do people do i don't understand that why can't you just be happy for people because i remember i wasn't even i didn't even know you frank i know travis a little bit at the time but i was so pumped that somebody an hour away from me killed i I hate to break it to you you might not ever beat that deer you know, like that's probably the biggest deer you ever kill in your life. You know, and and if that is the case, then I don't think you'd be too upset with that. But um, you know, that made me so happy, and I didn't even know you. You know, and I think that's um, Amanda Smith kind of confirmed this with me. I really think that's the bow hunter culture in general. I think I think when you have bow hunters in a community of bow hunters. There isn't that negativity. There isn't that jealousy. There isn't that, oh, you shot my A point. That was supposed to be mine. You were supposed to save that for me. You knew I was coming back on Saturday to kill it. Those, that just doesn't exist. Those words aren't said. It's a, it, I, you know, not to put down other ways to hunt, but it, it has been proven to me many times that the bow hunting community is more supportive of fellow fellow bow hunters than the deer hunting community as a whole is supportive of de- other deer hunters, you know? Um, and so that's, I mean, that's an interesting topic in and of itself we could break off on. But um, when you were prepping to go hunting, was there a certain condition you were looking forward to get out there? Was it a good week all week? Cause you went, you went three times, right? I um, did. And, and this particular place I'm hunting, I'm kind of down in a hole. It's a valley. Uh, I've got hills all around me, so the wind swirls in there, so scent control was going to be huge, mm-hmm. huge. Uh, my boots and everything that I was going to wear from my gloves to my uh, my face mask, my everything, I hung in that tree f- for two months, mm-hmm. bef- and then I took it out, and, you know, the, a week before, and that's when I, you know started wearing it so i knew scent control was going to be tough just because i wasn't going to be able to play the wind yeah. like i would in a normal situation uh, and bow hunting in general i mean if you're not playing the scent game then you're just not playing the wind mm-hmm. uh, that's just one of the main factors you have to we have to deal with as bow hunters so uh was it a good week to hunt uh it's the first week of hunting season it really doesn't you know in my mind that that first week they're they're so they're so calm and and used they're they're doing their summer patterns uh Mm -hmm. you know it's more about what they're doing at that particular time than it is what how much what the pressure is what the moon phase is you know they hadn't been interrupted yet they don't even know that the hunting season has started so uh they're just doing their normal routine and Although he hadn't been been there in daylight hours in a while, uh, apparently he was he was he was bedding down a good ways away from uh, from me at that point. I was a little concerned about that because I know where he was bedding and I know how hard that guy was hunting. Yeah, uh, yeah. we had we had never met. In fact, that guy who had shot him the year before, and uh, 
he wound up he came to my office on friday i shot him on thursday and and uh he showed up on friday we met and we talked about him and it was it was real it was comical to share the information that we shared because uh, i had told some fibs along the way to people that i knew that knew him and uh-huh. told him what i was doing and you yeah. know and and uh <laughs> hoping that he might make a mistake and push the deer my way yeah uh and we talked about all that and he laughed like you say i mean he he definitely wasn't happy for me but uh you know he congratulated me and and yeah. and understood you well, know well you know like you said you and your wife talking at night you calling it your deer i bet there's probably the same thing going on in his house you know his wife playing psychologist for him he might be calling it his deer you know um but so you knew before you killed him that he that he was hunting him also right well that's a crazy story too um probably three weeks three weeks before the season his dad showed up here he's actually a patient of my partners and uh he said uh his name's dad's name's david he says hey Dr. Frank, I know you like to hunt. I want to show you this deer my son's hunting. <laughs> this is, I don't even, I, I think I know where this is going, but like, this is, you know, like the Dukes of Hazard when like the, the, the car's in the air and they stop the show and he's like, well, there's about to be a hard lesson to learn, folks. You know, like this is it. Don't show people pictures of your deer because this is about what's about to happen. Go ahead. Oh, so I remember I was sitting there with one of the ladies that works with me and, and of course she had seen the deer multiple times and I had shown her pictures of the deer. Well, he breaks out his phone and he shows me the deer. Well, it's the deer. Yeah. It's my deer. It's him. It's my deer. It's the, not yeah. his son's deer. It's my deer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. My heart dropped. I was like, Oh gosh. You know, like and how, he, how do I take this guy out? Like, do I buy him a vacation to the Bahamas, you know, October 1st, you know, what? So I started getting real concerned, and that's actually when I really started. Uh, we had some more property that that I usually hunt across the road from my office, and I started putting out cameras over there to find out, you know, multiple cameras. I put out a lot of cameras to see if 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 the deer was moving over there. I was maybe going to change my approach of where I was going to hunt, uh, maybe be a little more aggressive. I really didn't know, but. Uh, once again, I learned a lot from my cameras. I learned that's not where he was. He wasn't mm-hmm. going there. Uh, he was actually traveling uh, where I thought he was. And uh, he was he was betting and spending more time on my neighbor's property than he was on my property. So uh, I was just fortunate. And Actually, I think I just played the game. I got lucky yeah. and played the game right. And uh, Sometimes it's better to be lucky than get than good. It had a lot to do with – I mean, it had a lot to do with skill as well, man. He, he literally – we talked almost every day after work about how he was going to do this. He called me, tell me, you know, what, what his game plans were. We talked about if I don't get him in the first week, where are we going to move the stand to? Yeah. Where, where am I going to be able to put a stand to, to go after this deer if I don't get him in the first week? So there, there was a lot of preparation. He says he got lucky, but he, he really played the game exactly how it had to be played to kill mm-hmm. this deer. And I think the biggest thing that he did was learned the behavior of the deer and the deer around him. I think that was the biggest thing because that's what saved him for being on this property and that's what saved them the day you shot him is you knew the other deer that were with him and you knew their behavior and you you well, knew that the eight point was going to come in and he was the fidgety one so if he yeah. was calm it was going to be okay and i think that's that might be what slowed the heart rate down a little bit because that's what made it okay well and and that you're you're planning for this like you said the 
this sounds like the most important thing that you did wasn't something you did. It's what you didn't do. Right. It was, it was, it was actually avoiding certain times going in there or certain situations or, or just pressuring an area too much. And, you know, I, I usually hunt in real small tracts of land as well. And it's like hunting an arena. It's like, imagine hunting inside the Superdome and the deer are in there. You don't know where they are, but you got to set up somewhere in there and, and hope that you win this round, you know, because it isn't these deer in the city and deer just near, human populations they act so much differently than you could say like wild deer if you will they're um they're much more deliberate in their actions they're much more scheduled um and they're also a lot more skeptical of things much more skeptical of things than than you could say like a a, a country deer if you want to call it that um so uh, so you knew you had one guy hunting him um your hunt name was anybody anybody else that you know of that's come out of the woodwork saying you well, killed my deer? No, not really. But there was another guy hunting him too. But the thing was, is uh, he he stopped traveling on that guy's property. I don't know what that what he did, but that guy had pictures of him too. And that guy posted. I got a picture of from another friend of of the deer. A lot of people knew about the deer. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. Well, he, he you know people had seen him cross the street. You know he he was kind of just out in the public yeah basically so it, it kind of once one person hears about a deer like this and is not tight-lipped everybody <laughs> knows about this yeah. deer yeah no doubt i was like wildlife and fisheries though man i was i was patrolling the area making sure there was no trucks parked anywhere <laughs> you know yeah. i was uh i was making sure that that uh, people weren't trespassing on other people's property to, yeah. to hunt and uh uh you know, you just kind of got to do what you got to do to kill a deer like that. I mean, thank God. I mean, I don't even, that was just a gift for the deer to show up in my backyard, though. You know, people say, how do you kill a deer like that? Well, you got to have a deer like that. Yeah, yeah. And, number uh, one. Yeah. But a lot of preparation does go into it. I recreated the whole setup uh, on another piece of property, and that's where I practiced. I practiced from face the stand, face the exact same direction. Same height, the stand same was same height. height. Same stand. Targets at the same distance same that the feed distance. was. I had, I like had Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mock safe. <laughs> I, I was yeah. scared to death. Yeah. You know, I, I just bet. didn't want to mess up. You know, like you say, that's I'll never, you know, unless I go pay to hunt somewhere, I'll probably never see a deer like that again as long as I live. And I'll probably be inside a fence, which I'm not going to, you know, I'd say no, I'm not going to do that. But that's not really my game. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just don't want to mess up that opportunity. Yeah, and uh, so we were. Well, I was ready. That's awesome. Well, you you said something to me earlier on the phone when um, before I came up here to see y'all. Uh, you said, and I might be off on the number, but you and Travis combined have killed how many inches? Uh, I think I think it was seven fifty. How many inches of deer? It's, it's around about seven fifty. You killed a one sixty. I killed a one fifty eight. I killed he a one sixty six. A one sixty six. Sorry. <laughs> and how many eighths? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't know about eight. <laughs> a one sixty six and a two twenty seven. I killed a one ninety six and a one fifty eight. So I got about. I got about about 30 more inches i gotta catch it and all i'll of, get a six point this, this is all with bow <laughs> just to clarify this is this is all bow this is all free range no, to be honest the deer that i shot the 158 was actually shot with a rifle and a bow which in which order actually with the rifle first and then the bow well that's that's okay yeah that right there that's unheard of huh uh, yeah. it was that's that. why I it was unbelievable <laughs> it was unbelievable it's the craziest thing i've ever seen in my life that's wild. So 750 inches of deer. I mean, that's like, how, how many deer is that? Six, five, five. 
Four. Right. That's four, four deer. I'm sorry. I have a Louisiana education. That's four deer, 750 inches of deer within two seasons and two people. Uh, that's incredible, man. It really is. So, you know, here, here's, I guess, the uh, the next topic for us is what's what's the plan? How, how, do, how can other people kind of follow suit, if you will? I, like, I, of course, you got to have them. That's first. right. That's right. Um, but y'all aren't just stumbling upon these things. Y'all are. You've been hunting these deer for years, sometimes, right? So how do you how do you collect yourself and have the patience to say, he's four and a half. I'd like to take him till five and a half. What's what's some of the the, the process? Well, the, I think the first thing is that you have to educate yourself. You have to know what a deer in your area looks like at that age. I think that's the most important thing. Um, also, uh, again, just changing your mind on what a trophy is, because what a trophy to me is and what a trophy to my dad is, is a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. My dad, again, would shoot that 120 inch three year old and it'd be the biggest deer he's ever killed in his life. And he would be more excited than I was when I shot my 196. I have no doubt in my mind about that. And you know what? I'd be just as happy for him. But again, I think to educate people on you got to know your deer. You got to have the deer to be able to do that, to get them to that age structure, to get them to the antler structure that you want to hunt. And you got to be willing to let a deer that you think might be a borderline trophy go. That's a four-year-old because he could turn into something special. Yeah. And, and you know, what what kind of consideration goes into uh, to the people around you? Is it just across your fingers and hope they don't shoot it? Or is there any sort of collaboration? Do you all have conversations that, hey, we both have this deer, we both have a shot at it, let's agree to give it a year, another year, anything like that going on? That doesn't work real good. No. You know, we have too many too many neighbors. Um, it, it, this is my deal with, with people who say, well, if I don't if I don't shoot it, my, my, my neighbor's going to shoot it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you shoot it, it's 100% going to die, right? But if you let it go, there's a good chance your neighbor's not going to get it either. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if you want to – if you want to grow big deer, you have to let big deer age. You have to let them go. And not every deer is going to be a big deer. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to make sure if you see a young deer and, and he's got the potential to put on multiple points over eight, then, you know, that could be your deer. Let him go. Yeah, let and him I'm, go. I'm hunting on a small piece at my house, and I had trouble. The year before I shot the, the, the 158-inch deer last year, I had – let that deer walk the year before as a a really solid 10 point he was a good deer but he wasn't i knew he had a chance to be bigger i thought Mm -hmm. he would put on more points to be honest with you but instead he just put on more time length and more mass with one more point um but hunting on 27 acres it was difficult to let that deer walk because i know my my neighbors are shooting the first basically they're, they're shooting small bucks anything that's really walking out but I try to use that to my advantage as well, thinking, okay, they're probably going to overpressure this. They're going to shoot deer in front of this deer. They're going to shoot mm-hmm. deer when this deer is around, and he's going to bed down closer to me and push him further this way. So I kind of try to use that to my advantage as well, um, and I think that that works well. But, uh, again, to it's a sickness. It really is. you got to really love it to, to, yeah. to be letting deer go like this. We had a conversation earlier, and you said that, you have never heard me say that I want to fill my freezer. Mm. And my wife gets on me about that all the time. She's like, why aren't you shooting deer? Everybody else is shooting deer. And it's because I'm hunting a deer or two deer, and I haven't seen them yet. You know, I'm after mm-hmm. specific mature deer, and I haven't seen those deer yet. And I'm not going to go out early season and shoot one of these other deer when this deer can be around, and I think I have them semi-patterned. Yeah. So 
again, it's a discipline. It's a sickness. For instance, when we were looking for a piece of property to build a house at first, I pulled up on a map and found out exactly where Tommy Rice and Leslie Bickham had killed their deer and told my wife, I want to be within one mile of this piece of property. And told real estate agents the same thing. I said, I want to be in here. They thought I was crazy. I'm like, yeah. no, like, this is, I'm dead serious. I, I want that. I want to be able to bow hunt in my backyard. Yeah. So when we finally found this place, it was it's about a half a mile from one, three quarters of a mile from the other. So that's where we ended up buying our house and just trying to grow big deer on 27 acres. And it's driving yeah. my wife nuts, but I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it pays off, you know, and, and, and like we talked earlier, there's, I believe there's stages of bow hunting and, and, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening right now that might be having trouble relating to y'all's stance on deer hunting and your approach to the woods and things like that, because they've never been within a uh, 120 inch deer, much less a 160 or anything close to 200. But the reality is, is I haven't known y'all for that long, but y'all didn't start off killing 150s plus. I mean, there was a beginning point for Travis Links, and there was a beginning point for Frank Sullivan. And I'm sure y'all both have a couple of four points into your belt maybe a couple of years ago, but it's a progression. You know, and this just happens to be your current stage now. Um, And and the, the thing that I'm constantly kind of searching for an answer for is, what's the next level like frank what are you going to do this year what 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 would make you ecstatic this com- upcoming season i'm not even the guy you want to ask that i, I enjoy i enjoy shooting armadillo with my boat <laughs> that's a good point you yeah know? yeah <laughs> you know yeah i enjoy pulling my boat back uh i'm not a meat hunter either but i told you before i'm a cold deer hunter yeah uh i've had four good bucks that I, that I knew about, uh, was able to pass them up a few times. Uh, and I'm two for four. The other two I didn't get. Yeah. They were good bucks. Uh, the last two I've hunted, I've gotten, but I don't have one right now. Yeah. Um, so let everybody know out there that, that there's no big deer around Sullivan Dental Center right now. So they don't <laughs> need to come trespass. There's no, here. there's no deer here. There's no deer no. in Tunica Hills. Uh, there's no big deer in Tinsaw. Well, yeah. I, honestly, I just don't have one right now. Yeah. Uh, now I, I can't answer for Travis, but, uh, I wish I did. Yeah. But I promise you I'll be sitting in a tree come October. Oh yeah. You know, uh, just just being out there well and and so that kind of that actually opens up another direction we can go in with this which is the fact that you know it it really isn't about the mass or the bone or the body size or the age it's it's about my thing is i'll say this until the day i die i like being near deer i like being in a tree with deer around me i don't care what they are they could have spots on them they could be 84 pound does. I don't care because those are the ones that oftentimes are the ones that bust you. And I like that your name of Tattletail, right? I had a, I had, uh, I've had a deer for five years now that I've named Clyde, that that I've only seen in person twice. I I took a shot at him two seasons ago at 52 yards and shot over his back. That's the closest I've ever been to him. But he always had always had a deer in front of him that was a very unimpressive spike and i always called him short stack and it was it was like short stack if you saw short stack clyde was about two and a half minutes behind you know um and and my buddy chad abear i took him hunting and and people that i take hunting there i'm like rule number one if you see clyde and you don't kill him i will never speak with you ever again because this deer needs to die so that i can have some peace myself number two if you see short stack 
don't shoot him because Clyde's right behind him. Those are the only two rules. And then you can kill whatever you want, you know. But, um, but you know, Clyde is – he's at least eight this year. He was two. I have a. I have a. Um. I have his right. His uh. Right shed, from 2014. Uh. 2000. No. 2013. Yeah. 2013. I found his shed. He was at least two and a half or three and a half thin. Um. So he's at least eight and a half this year, and he's a seven point. He's never. He's not getting any bigger. He might be one fifteen, but he and he's always been a seven. But he's got real tall kind of crooked at about 15 degree angle brow tines are about nine inches long they they both they, they're both parallel but they're crooked about 15 degrees and um that's my lex luther right that's my if i read in the paper that he got hit by a car i would sleep better that night i would just be like thank god he's dead finally you know um but uh it's it's fun having a specific deer to hunt. I think it really just makes everything that much better. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I experienced kind of the other side of that on public land this year. There was a deer that walked out. Um, I was on the phone with Justin and it was nine fifty on a Sunday, just as January. And, um, I was on the phone, had a good North wind and everything that I was hunting was, um, was, uh, who was north of me. So I was downwind. So I, I could take the phone call and I get busted. Right. I'm on the phone. We're talking about whatever. And all of a sudden, just like this, like you say, this beautiful, magnificent perfection of an animal steps out, you know, like, 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 um, what's, what's, what do you call, what, do you have a name for him? My son named him uh, Under Armour Under because Armour. his horns look like the Under Armour logo. Gotcha. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it has that mossy downturn. Uh, yeah. All but that. since Under Armour's not from Louisiana, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. Only <laughs> local. We'll call Only them local. Like, you know, like Bork's, Bork's Cajun Mart or something <laughs> like that. But um, anyway, so I see this magnificent deer at 35 yards. And of course, like an idiot, I'm hunting with my recurve. Okay. So I'm just the least thing from deadly at that moment, um, at 35 yards. And, uh, I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go get, get, I hung, hang up in this thing. I need him to take a right. He takes a left. He goes down a hill. I don't, and he goes down and, you know, and he's gone. And he was so big rack wise. He was so big that like the CPU inside my head did not compute how big he was it was just sensory overload. I couldn't count. I lost the ability to count, uh, at that moment. Um, and he was gone. And the only thing I remember, and this was something I was proud of myself of at the time. And it's also something that we try and try and convey or try and spread through Louisiana bow hunters. One of the first things you should do when you look at a deer is see how big his body is. Try to age him, you know, don't just look at him by his, by his rack, look at him through his, by his body size and, and attributes like that. And, um, and so I remember looking at him and he was, he looked like a, a track star. He looked like a runner. Like he just, he, he looked lean, looked like two and a half, maybe, maybe three and a half. He, he was not burly and big and no sway back. He was straight as a board. And so he was gone. So the next weekend I go back again at 1130, he comes out same place. And I, once again, I lost all brain function, um, I couldn't count, have no idea how many points he has, but he's, he's big, like over 150 big. 
And, um, and so I, I didn't get a shot at him again. He came about 35 yards and my max range on my recurve is to, maybe to try would be 25 yards. I mean, that'd be pushing it, but 20 yards would be the max. And so I don't do anything. He passes by and I'm kind of kicking myself because I had said earlier in the season, the, the only thing that was going to get me off the kick of shooting a traditional bow was going to be missing out on the deer of a lifetime. And now it happened two Sundays in a row. And now I'm like, well, I, maybe next year. So um, that day after I climbed down, I checked my game cameras that I put up after I saw him the first time. And that's when I first got the video of him. And Harmon Carson, who's one of my close friends and a contributor for Louisiana Bowhunter, he is um, – probably like one of the most accurate deer measurement scores from a photo you could you could uh you could have and he killed a big 170 i think it was 173 jacob was like 171 171 jacob was huge and he killed him with a recurve up in bozier parish a few years ago and he goes that is as big if not bigger than jacob and so this is i've got when we get off this i'll show you the picture i have two videos i think he's a 170 and it's uh, it's totally different when you have a deer that big that you aren't expecting. You know, y'all, we're sitting here talking about preparing three months ahead of time. You know, making sure you don't do this, making sure you do this, and and you've got a game plan, or so you think. And it it, it sounds like it sounds really good in hindsight when you're able to piece the story together, like uh, everything was perfect and I did it right. But in reality, before you killed it, you were like, this could go either way. You know, and um. But when you see a deer that big that you aren't expecting, like probably a lot of people do during the rut, like you said earlier, that's when you're going to see your neighbor's deer. It's almost, I hate to say it, it's almost like uh, it's not as exciting. It's exciting because you have something big in front of you right now, but it's not as exciting because there's no history there. There's not necessarily a story. The story was I got up, I drove an hour and a half to public land, I've you know, trudged two miles through the wood to my stand, and, and something came out and I shot it. And that's a great story, but it's not as good of a story of, of this deer was my obsession for six months. It's all my wife and I talked about. You know, this was the game plan. This is how I did it. And, you know, it it's it's a story that goes from two paragraphs long to a novel. You know, that's the, the comparison. Well, you have a relationship. Exactly. That's you know, exactly right. Yeah, that's you exactly have a right. relationship with that animal, and I tell my wife all the time how much I miss not wondering what he's doing at that particular moment, you know. <laughs> it, it's it, You yeah. do. I mean, you really start, you know, you, <laughs> I started thinking about that deer more than I did my family. Yeah. And it was just on my mind. I even told my wife, I said, look, for the next three months, I might not be as good of a dad or as good of a husband, <laughs> but you have to understand after those three months, I promise you, I'll be back. It reminds me. And the, the best ones understand because yeah. the same thing was going on when I first got the pictures sent to me on a Thursday night of the big deer that I ended up killing that I had wounded three years before. When I got home from work on a half a day on a Friday, my wife had my bags packed and said, don't come back until you got them. Nice. So I literally left the house packed up and i was i, told, awesome. I told my staff i said I'm, I'm not coming in this week if That's i don't awesome. get him it's well frank that reminds me have y'all seen that that meme that picture it's it's kermit the frog looking out a rainy window and the at the top it says i wonder if the deer are thinking of me too yeah i saw that <laughs> uh but you're right it's it's an obsession and, and it it takes you over and it's that's the reason why i wish clyde would just die in some manner i need that deer to not exist anymore for my own sanity but if he does yeah. you're gonna miss it 
I man, I'll find another one. I just I gotta move on. You know, I I've been hunting that that deer's taken a four almost five years. This would be the fifth season that I've hunted it. Well, I had a deer like that. His name was Romer. And he used to move around a lot at night. We would get him at multiple feeders uh, with with the camera, and he died at eight eight and a half. I have pictures of him the last night he ever ever lived, and uh, he was a hundred and sixty inch eight point. And I've told you mm, before, yep. my goal in life is a hundred and sixty inch eight point. I passed him up when he was four and a half. I passed him up when he was six and a, five and a half, and when he was six and a half. Um, I said I was going to take him when he was seven and a half, and I didn't get a chance to to shoot him. Uh, when he was eight and a half, he he was magnificent. He always stayed an eight point. He had some little junk on him, but he was really an eight point. And uh, I found his his shed when he was seven and a half. So I have his his sheds at his biggest biggest. Yeah, time. both of them. Both of them. Wow. Yeah. I found his sheds uh, two years. His six and a half and his seven and a half sheds. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what happened to him. Uh, he was running. He started hanging out with some younger deer, some six points, like two or three of them, mm-hmm. I think. And the last night I have uh, pictures of him, he's still in his velvet, and the, the three six points are, they don't have their velvet. And about two weeks after I couldn't, couldn't I didn't know where he was. Uh, I mean, if I didn't, I got, I must have had 20,000 pictures of this deer over the years. And uh, my dad read an article in a, in a hunting magazine, and it was about how younger bucks will, uh, they will gore, they will fight an older deer. They'll team up on him, kind of like Jake's do on a tom, mm-hmm. an older tom, hmm. and uh, said they'll kill some, some bigger deer. And there's, it was before hunting season, so nobody killed him. And it was in a, in a place where nobody even knew he existed and uh that that's disturbing you know i looked for that deer for a year i looked for the carcass for i looked and i looked and i looked and not knowing how he died or or what happened to him kind of ate you up it watch what you asked for yeah yeah look if if you want Clyde to die at least you you (laughs) you asked and you want to know what happened who got him i'll be honest with you i i wish i wish one of my friends would have shot him that would have made me honestly just as happy as if i killed him you know because it would be give me uh closure you know um but uh, and that's the thing that i i again like you said about bow hunters man when Frank shot that deer, I was the happiest person in the world. Yeah. I literally, I think I was going like 115 miles an hour over the bridge from New Rose. Like, I was so pumped up that he <laughs> shot that deer. I'm the, I just want to be around big deer. I just want to see big deer, and one of my good friends kills one. Yeah. It's like, it's awesome. Well, it's, I think bow hunters just have such a greater appreciation of what it takes to do something like that. That's right. Um, and then beyond that, it takes even more appreciation. Sorry, it's it's you're even more appreciative of the fact that some people can string a few of those together in a row. And that's where that's the difference between luck and skill. You know, um, I killed one deer that's almost 140. I, I'm lucky <laughs> I, until I kill another one. Uh, I, then I, I can't say that I'm skilled at it. But um, you know, it's, um, it's definitely a different breed that we are. And, and I think it's attributes and qualities like that, that makes Louisiana bow hunter and what, what we're trying to do with it so cool because 
it is the world's tightest loyal group of hunters that don't even know each other. You know, we all are doing the same thing in a different place, the same method. We all have the same haunt, the things that haunt us at night. We all have wives that, you know, are supportive of us finally killing that deer. Maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have wives that are supportive of us going and killing that deer that we've been obsessing over forever because it's, it's important to us. It's very important to us. Um, and not saying that, you know, it's not important to other types of hunters, but I, I will go as far as to say there isn't as much consideration given to deer hunting in other types of and other approaches to the woods as there are bow hunters because we everything is working against you. Everything. We don't get the we don't get the uh, the luxury of killing something at 150 or 200 yards. You That's know? right. A, a buddy of mine told me a, a good saying one time. He said, "You know, the difference between rifle hunting and bow hunting is." When a deer steps out with a rifle, the hunt is over. When a deer steps out with a bow, you're just getting started. You, yeah, Frank may have told me that Frank, when we were hunting. <laughs> you told me that. And, and yeah, that's my uh, that's, that, that's <laughs> And it's great. It, it, yeah. it's, it's so true. It, it The skill comes into play that you don't have to have with a rifle. Yeah. For instance, you know, most people's first deer comes with a rifle because mm-hmm. it's easy. A kid can do it. That's why most people's first deer get killed with a rifle. It's not, it's not so much that it's necessarily easy. It's just it's a much higher success rate. Much, much and and it's also there's a different gratification level there than than killing something with a bow. You know, um, it is more doable. Easy is I would agree with that too on certain situations. But it's mainly just that um, if you've only got two weekends off a year to hunt probably not going to bow hunt those two weekends, you know, not locally. If you, if you, if that's the only, if you're in a turnaround in a plant or, you know, you've got something where you're doing a job out of state and you've only got two weekends to hunt. I mean, hell, if that was me, I'd probably pick up a rifle and go to it because at the end of the day, we've got to eat something after deer season closes, you know? Um, but, uh, Walmart's got meat. Walmart, yeah. It's a lot (laughs) less expensive than deer hunting too. Um, but the, uh, but the, the big thing is, is that it's not about, killing the animal and we talked about this a little bit on the first podcast with chad and Locke. it's about killing an animal on your terms exactly the way that you envision it in your head like like frank when you were going to sleep at night i bet you were probably doing play-by-plays of of where this year was going to come from how would you turn this way if it came from behind you blah 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 like that type of, like that type of stuff isn't a consideration for other people and it seems to be the only thing that we think of when it when when you're trying to hunt a specific animal in a specific place, especially on something that's under 30 acres like y'all are, you know. It's about getting close. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the, the things that we see as bow hunters that um, – and look, I'm, nothing against rifle hunters. Some of my best friends are rif- rifle hunters, and, and that's great. That's just what they want to do. But I think they miss out on so much because it's like Travis says, you see the deer at 150 – 150 yards okay so you pick him up what happens between that time that you see him at 150 yards and he possibly closes to 25 yards most of them don't most right. of them don't it so, gets dark yeah, that's what happens gets dark. <laughs> yeah, but you get stuck in your stand till but, nine o'clock at night <laughs> but right. think of all the stories that you have and the and the things that you get to see in nature that yeah. that you wouldn't have if you'd have pulled that trigger because as soon as you pull that trigger uh, things go to you know well you know, you know we, we we i've discussed this in other episodes too and i mean i might as well just admit we're going to talk about this multiple times but um when you bow hunt 
nine times out of ten, you're bow hunting in a place that you that nobody would ever rifle hunt. So you're hunting in a place where deer feel comfortable, a thicket, um, a, a small creek side, or um, or something where you might have a maximum twenty five yard shot. Um, and what you get to experience through that is deer in their natural habitat. Deer, deer being deer, not deer being lured out before dark, not deer being pulled to a feeder, um, and this, that, and the other. And so actually, Travis, you, you, you said last week when we talked that, um, you think it's harder to kill a mature deer over a feeder than it is to kill a mature deer anywhere else. And it's because they're so wary of it. Well, the reason why is they know what that feeder is. They know why it's there. They know what it's for. Um, and so you have a feeder on your property and I've, and you've told me this and it's kind of what Frank said earlier, which is that that's to keep the deer there. It isn't necessarily to kill them at the feeder. Yeah. It's to ensure that's your insurance policy on those, on your herd. Um, and then you probably hunt, the trails coming into the feeder. That's right. That's what, I was just off. posting about that on Louisiana bow hunter the other day is I think the way to kill a, a mature buck is to catch him checking the does at the feeder. He's going to be in the thicker part of the woods, traveling, checking things out. He's not going to come walking out in the middle of that field unless it's pitch black outside. You can catch him messing up every now and then. Don't get me wrong. But I think the majority of the time you're better off being off of the food mm-hmm. to kill that deer. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, well, um, uh, Frank, you've got this behind your your uh, your office here. Do you have anywhere else that you hunt as well? I do. I do. We have some family land, uh, and that's primarily where I hunt. This is the first time, first hunt I ever made behind my office. That's always kind of been a no no. You know, yeah. That's for my patients, uh, especially my city patients that come in just to look at the deer. But uh, unfortunately, this deer was was uh, a was game a little, changer. Yeah, he's a game changer. <laughs> we, <laughs> there was we, no way I wasn't going on him. Uh, we tore up the rule book for, yeah. for that one. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, Travis, I, I hunted with you once last year, and and that was kind of funny because what I brought, I you know, it was rifle season was the rut, and I you know hunted with a recurve. I'd only killed two deer last year, so I was a little low on meat myself. So I. I did the thing that I said I won't do. I brought a rifle, but I also brought my recurve, which maybe, you know, I bet that would have been a funny sight to see if somebody walked up on me. You have a 270 in one hand and a 50 pound recurve in the left, in my legs, you know. But are you, are you still hunting out there this year? Do you also have that? No, uh, I'm actually not going to get back in that place, but just picked up a place right on side of it. It's actually a little bit bigger, um, but it's fresh. It's it's very young. Got timbered two years ago, so it's really thick in there. Um, so kind of kind of getting started over again. So I'm excited about it. Um, just had some other things going on at the other place. He's got kind of trying to start some businesses with some cabins and stuff out mm-hmm. there. So there's kind of more people out there. So. We kind of just backed away, and we're going to move over to the new place this year and kind of kind of see where it takes us. Uh, it's going to be fun just starting raw. It, and like I said, it is completely raw. We got we got a dozer going in there on the 21st, a dozer and an excavator. We're going to make all our own roads, own food plots. Just a blank slate. Just a blank slate. So we've kind of pulled all kind of topo maps. We've pulled all the history of maps of what types of woods have grown there in the past um, from about 15 years ago to now. Probably spent. $200 on maps over the last couple of weeks, just kind of planning on what we're going to do with this property mm-hmm. and trying to lay it out the best way that we can w- without really having a whole bunch of time to do it. Cause we just picked this place up about two weeks ago. Uh, kind of just came out of the blue. Some guys that cut hay at my house mm-hmm. had some family, uh, his wife owned some land. He said, Hey man, we got this land. You interested in it? I said, nice. Absolutely. Very nice. So uh, we'll be hunting there this year. And then 
I got a couple I got my eye on at my house this year that uh, hopefully show back up. So nice, that's exciting, man. Well, um, well, I think it's been about an hour and fifteen minutes. Y'all want to wrap it up? Y'all got anything else y'all want to add? Anything you want to cover? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say you, you kind of talked about the progression of hunting. I actually grew up hunting in the home of Thibodeau area, so it was very tough hunting. Like. We would go out there. It'd be really tough to hunt. My dad would always bring customers. It was actually his boss's property that we used to hunt on. So they would come out there and they'd get the drink, and then the customers would want to go home with some deer meat. So my dad would say, hey, I need you to go walk out into the flotant and go kill some does for these guys. So I'd have to put in the extra work <laughs> to go do it, but I loved it. And that's that's kind of still how I look at it today is I, I love every aspect of it. I love yeah. the work. I love how much it takes to get it done, and I, and I love obviously killing them. But another thing, you don't have to kill the deer to have a successful hunt. No, I think just the encounters sometimes are even more exciting than killing deer. And, and I don't want people to think that because Frank and I are doing this podcast that we kill deer every time we walk in the woods. Frank came over to my house this year. We were hunting a, a big deer. He was going to film me. We we saw what a coyote or a fox. That's it didn't see a deer yeah so it's not like we walk into the woods and the deer just showing up we've been fortunate and we've been lucky to be in the area that they're in yeah and have have been able to connect so well i remember i remember last year you saying when when did you kill a deer last year it wasn't until later no i didn't kill that deer until january 13th and that was your first year that was the first deer i killed last year yeah and i had hunted them for about 14 or 15 days in a row that's awesome. Now you had uh, opportunities to kill other deer before him. Before oh yeah, I, yeah. I had several encounters with some other younger bucks. Um, one deer that I was really trying to let go, but I think he ended up getting poached on the side of my house, which I was pretty bummed about. Um, and he wasn't a giant of a deer; he's probably 125 inches, but completely gnarly deer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so probably had encounters with I don't know four or five deer, 120 inches or better last year. Just didn't sling an arrow at any. Yeah. That's that's uh that's pretty impressive though. You, you got your eye on the prize and and you you got him at the end of the season, right? Yep. So that's yep. good. It makes it worth it. Well, uh, look, I appreciate y'all being on. I really do, and it's been fun doing this. And you know, we y'all have been hunting a long time. I've been. I'm sure I can learn a lot from y'all as well. We'll do more in the future. So until uh, next time, thank you. All right. Thank you. Tom. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you've got anybody you want to hear on the podcast, send us an email at info at louisianabowhunter.com or send us a PM on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll be sure to get back with you. We also want to say a big thank you to our two sponsors, Cousin Smokehouse and Steve German's Taxidermy Art. We appreciate everything you do for us, and we could not put this podcast on without you. Make sure that you're following Louisiana Bowhunter on Instagram, on Facebook, and also louisianabowhunter.com, where we make sure to update daily with new information, pictures, videos, and articles about deer hunting in the state. So we'll see you every Monday at 8 a.m. Until next week, thank you.